As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. Welcome back, or welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast, where we sometimes discuss U.S. Olympic athletes, adult film stars, and sportsman drag racing. Welcome to those of you watching live on the Sportsman Drag Racing uh, Podcast Facebook page. Welcome as well to those of you listening do via traditional means uh, on the podcast feed. I'm joined as per usual after a week away by my co-host, my man, Big Jed, Jared Pennington. Jed is in Alabama, fresh off a trip to Mississippi, which we will talk, which we will discuss thoroughly. I am at home in southern tip of Illinois, fresh off a trip to northern Illinois with an excursion to northwestern Indiana. Big Jed, Take me to Holly Springs. I didn't see team bad guys in the winter circle. What happened? Uh, Luke, uh, turn, as it turns out, um, apparently we were the only ones that had plans on us winning. Uh, everybody else had a different plan. And it oh, did okay. not go out. Interesting. Way. We uh, exited the program in round number two. Uh, so, you know, not a whole lot to talk about from team bad guys. We did start round one, five and oh, and then we lost uh, four of the five in round number two to Silas Boatner's team. They cracked us really good. So um, it Sharks, just didn't go our way. Sharks did not dedicate a week to you. Nah, I didn't <laughs> did not go our way. Uh, but as you can see, I'm in a little different setting here today. I'm sitting in my big boy chair in the living room. The family's gone to the lake. JJ's headed to Texas to announce Gleghorn's race. And I've got the living room, man. I am just chilling. Life is good right now for me, Luke, even though we took ass beating in the Dream Team race. <laughs> Two things. That wasn't the only one I took, okay? 
I took them all weekend, but <laughs> my team took one. Two threads to pull on. First, as our live listeners can see, you look very laid back today, Jed. This is a this is a good setting for for Big Jed, right? I like just chilling. Second thread to pull on. JJ just fly in, hired gun, professional announcer all across the country. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> JJ's living the dream, running all over the country, announcing great races and having a blast. And he did announcing at the dream team too. He just loving life. And, you know, he, he doesn't really have a good picture of what life is about right now. He, he thinks this is what 17 year olds do, but it's not normal. Luke. It's not normal, but it sounds like a pretty good gig if you can get it. Yes, the new normal for him, uh, and it's a pretty good gig. Yeah, you know, he's uh, he's getting treated like royalty, and he's enjoying being on the mic and you know getting to do some racing too. It's just life is good for JJ, real good. I at at forty one years old, I still get fired up to roll into a, a new to me racetrack. Right, like we've talked about our list. I can only imagine at seventeen riding across the country to the Texas Motorplex. Like, that's a pretty awesome experience, man. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, he's living the dream. I mean, he really is. He's going to the Motorplex. He's been to Galat. He just announced the dream team. You know, this kid, this kid really don't understand how hard life is. He, uh, he is, he is getting to do things that people dream about. Now, he's earned it. He has you know, mastered the craft somewhat and worked hard at it and done everything he was supposed to do to get prepared. And he's, it's afforded him these opportunities, but my goodness, this boy 17, you know, he's got a, a badass S10 race truck. He's running all over the country. He's with Heath Davis, which, you know, just went like 40 and 0, 40 runs straight between two tracks. He's he with Brody Quick that just won 50 racks. And he's with Hunter Whitehead, which is the quietest, most dangerous man in America behind the wheel. So, uh, you know, he, he's he's running around with great racers, going to great races. Really kind of sick of that kid. Good for JJ, man. Good for JJ. Pretty yeah. cool stuff. So yeah. Holly Springs and the Dream Team was not necessarily successful for Team Bad Guys, but at least from the outside, it looked like an extremely successful event. It looked like a lot of fun. I think that is probably the staple of that event year in and year out, and that's coming from someone mainly looking in from the outside. Um, walk me through it. Take me through a firsthand account, the ups, the downs, the highs, the lows of Dream Team Weekend. Yeah, Luke, it was, uh, it was a typical Dream Team. The atmosphere was incredible. Uh, huge crowd, cars everywhere. You know, they took juniors out this year. The juniors will be at the Christmas on the coast and uh, their dream team activities will be there. So it was just top and bottom bulb and, you know, really was a great call. No offense to the juniors. Want the juniors involved, love them involved, own to myself. But uh, really, it just didn't fit with this program any longer. So the decision was made last year. And it turned out to be a great decision. Place packed with cars, really good car count in both classes. I think there were 150-ish on the bottom and 350-ish on the top. I don't know the official car count, but it was big. Uh, we did get some rain Thursday 
that was kind of unexpected. And it, you know, it's one of those rains that can throw the weekend into a tailspin and you never really catch up if you don't make the right decisions. Well, I thought Britt and Galen and, and Tommy and, and the staff there made a great decision. They decided that they would take Friday and Sunday and double it because we only got to, to, to second round. We completed second round when it was all said and done in Thursday's race. So they decided to take Friday and Sunday and double it and make it 50 and run the dream team as scheduled on Saturday and then run the completion of Thursday's race on Sunday. And, you know, I think they might have got a little bit of flack from some people about that, but I thought it was a great decision. And when the, the weekend ended, it ended perfectly. It ended at a great time and, and all the money got paid out and, and racers got to celebrate. It was really good decision on their part. And again, just a, just an incredible race, Luke. I think we had 44 top bulb teams and 19 bottom bowl. So there's a lot of participation. When you looked in the lanes, it was just ridiculous amounts of talent, both top and bottom bowl. And no offense, when we talk about the winning team, I know those guys and I know how good they are. And they're, they're a handful every time you stage against them. But it's a team that, that probably wouldn't have gotten picked because of their, their regional success. Um, and they, they drove their tails off. These guys drove incredible, and they were a Isn't blast that to watch. what that format's all about? Like, exactly. is to highlight some of the guys that might not necessarily be household names, but couldn't, by God, hold their own? Exactly. That, that's definitely what the race is all about. And, you know, our, our, our initial discussion about Dream Team Racing and what we put together, which was really all about the state you're from, um, you know, that, that was about who could take the most talent and go out and win. This race is just full of talent, top to bottom, side to side. And it just shows you how challenging this sport can be when you look at the, the group that got it done. Again, I'm certainly not downplaying their talent. Again, all of these guys have kicked my tail many times. So uh, they're all great racers but just not the team that, that gets the attention at a level where you're going to say that's the team that's going to win. You know, their, their family, they're all tight and close knit and they won it all together. And they battled when in some two to two uh, races with uh, the fifth pair being in it and the final was come down to the fifth pair. So oh, wow. it, it was, it was really incredible and awesome fun to watch. Uh, before we, dive too deep into the results just from what you've just said i got two threads to pull on so the first one I'll, I'll go to the no box side because i know that's near and dear to your heart obviously there are a handful of signature bottom bulb events each season you host one of them that are that have tremendous following just off the top of my head for a race an event where no box is not necessarily the feature, right? It is part of the show, especially in that region to have 150 no box entrants. Obviously it speaks to the dream team format. Like I can't think of many other events where no box is a portion, right? No box, there's a separate no box class and there is a top bulb class and typically top bulb overshadows no box that gets, that can boast that type of a crowd. Can, there's not many of those, are there? 
No, it's extremely difficult to get 150 bottom bulb racers to a race simply because they're typically not the traveling kind. They don't like hotels and, and all of the extensive uh, cost that goes along with the travel and big money racing. So um, it's, it's rare that you're going to see that kind of crowd at a race. And it's even more rarer. I'll, that'll get a shout out later. When they know. The I was best, reaching for my pen. <laughs> when they know the best racers in that category are going to be competing. You know, the bottom bulb, there is a different, definite talent gap between your top, I don't know, 50 racers regionally and, and everyone else. And, you know, when people know the best of the best are going to be there, they will tend to shy away from some of those races. So, um, it just speaks volumes about this particular event and, and how excited it makes people. 100%. And then the other thread I wanted to pull on, you, you touched on it and how much you agreed with the decision. Like it, it's pretty commonplace at, at this point in big dollar bracket racing at these mega events for anything to disrupt the schedule, which if over the course of a three, four, five day race, something's probably going to disrupt the schedule, right? It becomes fairly commonplace for two races to get condensed into one or four races to get condensed into three, three races condensed into two, right? Um, and the purse typically doubles. Like I, I, I feel like I'm in the minority on this. Perhaps I'm not like just as a general rule, if, I can put less runs on my stuff and race for more money. Like I'm in, I, I don't, I, I get the the other line of thinking like, Hey, I came here for three shots. I want to take three shots. Right. But particularly, maybe I'm just old. Right. I, 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 well, I'll admit I'm, I'm certainly, I'm trending toward that side of things, but if the option is complete two races before midnight, or race until the sun comes up to get three races in. I'm down for two. Like I, I, I don't know that. I don't know that what speaks out there isn't more of the vocal minority. Like I don't think I'm the only one that thinks that way. No, I, I don't think so at all, Luke. Uh, you know, typically, typically a promoter can can be swayed by who's the loudest when a decision is is to be made, but. I thought those guys stuck to their plan and come up with the best plan. And I was all for it. I, you know, I knew I was still in going to be in, in Sunday's race, but I knew we were starting third round and it was going to finish at a decent time. You know, I start getting a little anxiety, a little travel anxiety on Sunday evening when I know I got to be at work at six 30 Monday morning. So um, it, it's it, to me, it's the best course of action because I know the race is going to finish at a decent time. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't necessarily a decision that was made for massive car count. It was just a decision that was made because Saturday was dedicated to dream team only. And they just didn't have any extra time in that extra day. And it worked out perfectly. I thought, you know, they, they had a good plan and then they executed the plan perfectly, which was a big, big deal to me. Well, to your point, nothing steps on the dream team because it is the title event. It's, it's what I think it's fair to say the, the majority of the field came for. And to that end, you touched on team Saint earlier. Take me through a little bit, the top bulb portion of this and, and what was, 
if you just look at all the teams that you touched on earlier, perhaps an, an unlikely champion. Yeah. So, you know, you're talking about team Corey Saint. He's got he and his son. There was Kyle Green and Dylan Green and then Brady Merckx. You know, it, it's guys that run in the, the southern end of Tennessee. Uh, they, they're in that, uh, that Nashville to Huntsville area where they run back and forth. And that's pretty much where they go primarily. They'll slip outside of that from time to time, get to Montgomery or what have you. But uh, for the most part, it's a very regional, regional team around the Alabama-Tennessee line between Nashville and Huntsville. And, you know, they are very, very competitive, very serious racers and have all won their share. But, you know, it's, it's guys in door cars and going 630, 640s. And, you know, you in this day and time with separation of door cars and dragsters, and you're thinking – well, you know, the dragsters are going to – and there were some, some main dragster teams there, and the dragsters are going to emerge. But in the end, it was really a couple of door car heavy teams that competed for the, the final round uh, title, and uh, Team Corey Saint got it done. Uh, Dakota Saint was on the end running um, Wayne Franks, which is a very difficult out. Probably see well, – I don't know if Wayne's entered in – in the Jake summer door car shootout, but uh, I don't think he had has entered this year. He's been before he's won before. Yeah. Yeah. He's a, he's a tough, tough competitor. So um, those guys squared off and it come down to the fifth pair and, and Wayne and Dakota hung out outside of the car and watched the first four pair uh, first four. Yeah. First four pair run one another. And, and then when it came down to the fifth, they shook each other's hand got in their vehicles and went out there and did battle. Uh, oh, what a cool just, scene. It was a very cool scene. Great moment, great sportsmanship, and, you know, just a just a fun, fun final to watch. bunch of guys that I know that are that are great competitors, and, and Corey Saint and his, his group got it done, which uh, was very impressive. As, as little known as that team may be outside of their, their region, as you said, that they tend to, uh, to, to compete in and, and at times dominate, the bottom bulb team, I think, is, uh, is full of names that uh, most of our listeners would be familiar with, certainly if they listened to a recap of this event one year ago. Yeah, you know, as you've said many times, there's nothing sweeter than what, Luke? There's nothing sweeter than a repeater. <laughs> uh team daniel riddle um won the the dream team in 2022 those guys got by a, a lackluster team in round number one team jj drew last year's champion and uh should have you know i needed to go to the emergency room uh paul russell gave me head trauma in uh, the first pair, JJ, JJ said, look, we got, we got Daniel Riddle's team. He said, I'm going to put you, if we get to pick first, I'm going to put you on Paul because I love the strategy that goes into the dream team matchups too. That, that's strategy cool fun. layer. Yeah. Uh -huh. He said, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to put you on Paul. Cause you, you know, Paul's got a lot of trickery and, and you probably the only one with the discipline to just go out there and, and do your deal and let Paul do his tricks. So I said, okay, you know, that's fine. My, my car was the biggest bucket of, of crap at the races. And I love the, the X's and O's from JJ. Here we go. Yeah. So I, I'm like, so I didn't want to tell him. So my, 
my car is garbage, but I'm going to give it my best shot. So my car was getting up in the wheelie and having a little flutter. And I've changed and changed and changed. And the round prior to that on the top, it left and, and did, you know, the by God wheelie. And I thought, okay, I finally, get, finally got it. So I'm ready for PR, you know, bring it on, bring on that trickery, Paul. And we go out there, he leaves. He's no box and I hear him on the popper and he leaves big old wheelie and I leave and mine don't do. Of course, I did it on the top, the round prior. Now I'm on the bottom, mine leaves and it don't, it don't wheelie real good. And I'd went like 594 in my time shot. So it should go 89 or 90 if it does what it's supposed to do. When I leave, I'm like, crap, this it didn't, it didn't leave good. So now I'm I'm on a 92. Um 92 yeah 92 and i'm thinking yeah, i'm in bad shape here and I, when i tell you he's daylighting me luke i mean this guy so far out in front of me i have zero hope i must be running five over the dialing and and i'm just like heck with it i'm just gonna like it i gotta i gotta just hope and when he stopped i'm telling you it's like he hit a wall this cat went like 647 at 92 or I mean it was ridiculous it was ridiculous and I blow by him at the finish line I'm like oh you screwed up PR and his wind light come on so I get around I get my ticket and sure enough mine did not it didn't flutter he was going he was 008 I was 20 he was going six under and I was going two under and I still remain two under when I cross the finish line. Cause I'm thinking I ain't got it. I mean, there's no way I'm breaking. He is so far out in front of me and I knew I didn't miss it. So he goes down there and stops, sends me through like four hundreds and I'm 90 with a zero. What I tell you, I thought it'd run if it did what it was supposed to do. 89, 90. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 90 with a zero. So I look like the biggest punk. I mean, I got slapped around, abused. JJ's strategy turned out to be awful. I mean, the whole thing. Was- I was ready to call him the Eric Spolster of the Dream Team, man. I was wanting to give him credit. And then he had a great got PR over here. If I'm doing the math right, he goes from showing you 55 in front to 40 behind. Yes. <laughs> Head trauma is yes. a good term for that. Head he, trauma he was going 638 term. and he went 647, Luke. And when I tell you he did it between, you know, I don't know, between the lines, I think. I think he got to the mile an hour column before he before Ooh. he did it. It was unbelievable. If it was the best run, stop I've ever seen. If that run was any indication, it sounds like he is, was a deserving MVP of the weekend. Yes, he, uh, he, he, he definitely deserved it. He drove really good. And he he helped his team last year. This was Will Jones in that spot. Will could not make the dream team this year. So they inserted Paul Russell, Steele, David Bell, Daniel Riddle, Todd Berry, Tim Pace, and Paul Russell still go back to the final and get it done once again. Very impressive team. These guys are really, really good, as you know. And they showed out again. Um, you know, the only the only thing that made me feel any better about it is that outside of Tim Pace, the team's all Alabama. So, you know, uh, David Bale is now Alabama guy. I don't know if you knew that. What? He's moved to Alabama, yes. Really? Where Bear, at? Bear Creek. 
Bear Where Creek. is Bear Creek? Up around Hamilton, Haleyville, up in there. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah. I, no, I did not realize that. You got double O David Bell in Alabama. Yeah. He's an Alabama boy now, which makes him a better racer just instantly. <laughs> and it's hard for him to get better because he's really more gooder than most everybody I've ever seen. But he's pretty impressive. He's pretty impressive. Very impressive team and really happy for him. That's a, that's a good bunch of guys. Another group of racers that proved more gooder over the course of Dream Team Weekend, individual winners, Brody Quick knocked down that combined event. 225s became 150. Brody Quick took that money back to Alabama, Big Jed. Uh, Greg Brotherton put on a show in the closing event, which I guess was originally the opening event. Uh, started Thursday, finished Sunday. Big Papa, Big Jed, not only with the $25,000 win, but if I'm not mistaken, it was Greg Brotherton getting that victory over this right over over Greg Brotherton. Yes. Greg Brotherton win. Greg Brotherton runner up. Big Papa is back. I like it when you call me Big Papa. Um, I'm not calling you Big Papa. I'm calling Greg Brotherton. Big yeah, Papa. good call. Uh Brody Quick cracked him for 50 racks. Uh got the win over Casey Tankersley, uh, another friend. A guy from uh, from the southern end of Tennessee right there. Uh, guys that have seen a lot of each other. So that was really cool to watch. Hashtag Brody. we hate dragsters. That might have been Early. the line of the weekend, by the way. Yeah. Yes, yeah. I loved it. Uh, Brody's from Alabama. So, you know, it's it's obvious why he won that. Um, biggest win of his career. I was really happy for Brody. Big Papa. I mean, so impressive. Look, not only did he run himself in the final, uh, which we know is not really possible, but he he did he was the last two entries, and he was perfect multiple times along the way, you know. And that to me is like people say, well, that's not that big a deal. But it's kind of a big deal because you know you you think you're going to adjust a little bit from perfect, but he was double o four, double o two, perfect, perfect. He just seemed like he had no fear and a lot of confidence in what he was doing. And, you know, this is a guy that races five, six times a year now. I mean, Big Papa don't go very much. And to come out in that field, he got by Jake Hodge in the semis. Jake lit at five red. Jake was driving really, really good. And and I thought that he might, you know, at least get Greg one of those times. But Greg got by him with a semi and uh, and faced himself in the final. So just a, an unbelievable accomplishment on his part. Um you know, for a guy that doesn't race much, to be in that kind of talented field and running a 450 dragster basically to death. Uh, and, and you know, Big Papa's had a few birthdays too. So um, really impressive. I was, I was impressed for sure with what he did. And uh, over on the bottom bulb side, you was probably fixing to get to this. But on the bottom bulb side, Tommy Jackson just uh, – blasted the field for 20k well, it was predictable because if i'm not mistaken big jed that event took place at tommy jackson motorsports park his honey hole yes his honey hole <laughs> uh, tommy jackson had won the three previous foot brake races at the facility and then comes into that kind of talent and that kind of field and gets a 20k bottom bulb win uh biggest win tommy's had it was it was great to watch he had a ton of friends and family around him obviously at his home track uh, had his wife uh, right there, um, uh, Whitney, with him um, in the winner's circle. He got by Charlie Lockhart, which is a extremely difficult out every time you face him. Uh, Tommy beat my nephew, Andrew, at three. Andrew Lindemood, 
Um, really good run there. Tommy was double O a lot. Really impressed by what he has done and what he was doing there that night and, and a very deserving champion uh, of that 20K check. And um, Sunday was wrapped up with Nick Curl. Uh, All the way down from Missouri. Yep, Nick uh, coming in with the Monte Carlo there, and uh, he, I think uh, Nick used to race in a Mopar, but he's in a he's in a back half, late seventies Monte Carlo now, and he got that ten k bottom bulb win over Charlie Joiner. Charlie in an unsuspecting small tire, uh, gas fed, you know, yep. seven second car. Um, so that was really cool to see Charlie. Charlie raced good all weekend. He was really stout all weekend, as was Nick. Nick did well, but. Bottom bulb stuff was fun to watch for sure. That was a Nick was Curl. Great, great it's amazing racer. what happens when you put the distributor in the right place. <laughs> uh, the Mopar guys on my back a little bit. Yeah, they're going till you were going through the weekend. How how big a win this event was, Big Jed, for the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast for you and I personally. I mean, you 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 alluded to it earlier. You did your best to take credit for the entire format, even though. We had nothing to do with the format, right? I mean, we did, we were the brainchild behind the the all-state challenge, yeah. which eventually morphed into the dream team. So ultimately this all started right here. And to your point, other point, Jed, like Brody Quick, $50,000 winner. There was a time where Big Jed and Cool Hand Luke, we hosted a junior dragster driving school. One of the alums from said junior dragster driving school was one Brody quick that might have been a birthday or two ago but yeah I think it's a big win for us wow Luke, that's a great point I didn't even think about that uh definitely definitely want to give our, ourselves credit for Brody's that's win not, that, that's where I was getting was, at I was, I was yeah. really I was trying not to break my arm pat myself on the back but that was a good group that was uh was Brody that was Mitchell Seymour that was uh Hayden Renfro with some with some good ones in there yeah, yeah, we had great class and uh, some guys that are still knocking it down today. And who knew one of our prize students would would crack them for fifty k at the Dream Team race one day. But that whole All State Challenge Dream Team thing, you know, Galen still every year he still comes to me and says, you know, we took this idea from you guys. You guys started this, and we took it. So if Galen's going to give me just a little bit of credit give us a little bit of credit for it, then you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to take it. I remember the phone call from Britt and it was like, Hey, do you think like it would be a, and I'm like, you're actually going to take this and make it a race. Hell yeah. That's cool. (laughs) I mean, yeah, we just did it all on paper and it was something to talk about during December. So yeah, I like it. But it worked out good. It was your idea originally. And uh, and now look at what it's turned into. It's, It's really cool. Uh, you were at Great American Dream Team in Holly Springs. I, at least for a portion of the weekend, <laughs> was at Route 66 Raceway for the return after, I believe, four full years away, the return of the NHRA Camping World Series to Joliet. Now, after a less than stellar round one performance, my wife and I, we left before they started selling hot dogs. But there was a lot that went on in Chicago I think we'll start, Big J, we start anywhere. Let's. How about Top Dragster, where it was a short field in TD. I think there was only 16 cars, so just a four-round race, which is pretty rare uh, in the Top Dragster category. The win went to Wayne Slegger, who got that victory over Zach Stackman. Stackman, no stranger to success. Stackman, top 10 in the world last year. Zach Stackman was driving 
a car that belongs to local racer Dominic Bowden. It's a, I guess, a, a slow by top dragster standards. It's a bracket car, 690 car. Zach Sackman had never sat in the car until Friday morning. We got one time trial. All sportsman categories got one time trial at Joliet. And I just happened to be watching Zach Sackman. I believe it was 006 on that time trial. That's his first run ever in the car. First round, Zach Sackman, 006. Second round, Zach Sackman, 003. Semifinal round, Zach Sackman, 008. So he staged four times in the car, never not let go 00. And in the final round, turns it one chiclet red for the heartbreaking loss. But even you zoom out, pretty impressive performance from last year's top 10 finisher in the runner-up. Again, not to overshadow Wayne Slager's uh, accomplishments there. He was the winner. But uh, that box score, you know, I'm a fan of the box scores. The box score stood out. Well, that's a heck of a box score for sure. If you, you know, if you've raced the car every week or if it's the first time you've sat in it or any time, that's a... That's very, very impressive. The the one that I read, I'm sure hurt, uh, but, you know, you think, well, my opponent was 006, so that's, you know, that was going to be hard to beat. But there there was some other stuff we'll talk about that happened in that other lane uh, that, that might not have made it as hard to beat. I really don't understand that strategy necessarily, but. I'm not completely certain. I don't know, Jed, if I should be more impressed with Zach Sackman's uh, string on the starting line or with Wayne Slegger's final round run because my man won a national event 006 ran 618 that's a good top dragster run he was dialed 632 my <laughs> man lit it up on a score I just I don't know what the thought process was what the strategy was but I'm just picturing Jeff Sarah like hit the tires arm out the cage, pointing at the scoreboard all the way down the track. Like, y'all look at this. About to light it up 14 under. That's the story I want to tell. I have no idea if Wayne Slugger thought he could go a 10th plus under. In reality, probably not. But it's a hell of a story. My man was holding 14 in the final. Cracked him. Look, look where he qualified. Look at his qualifying time. Oh, nice. <laughs> he qualified with a 678 with a 7. At 218. At 218. <laughs> and goes 618 at 229 on a 632 dial in the final. This guy was just an absolute mess, absolute mess, but obviously was driving the wheels off of it and doing his job. Not only did Wayne Slugger win his first national event, Wally, he fixed it. <laughs> I mean, it started off 678. By the final, he got it right, 618. Unbelievable. And you know, he, he did it obviously against a guy that was laying down tremendously good laps. But the, my takeaway, my biggest takeaway here is that that might be the coolest name I've ever heard. Zach Sackman. It's a good one. Zach Sackman. That's right. That's, that's right. That's a top freaking five name. That's not quite as good as Blue Hayball, but it's damn close. It's up there. Zach Sackman is a, is a wonderful name. Matter of fact, I wish my name was Zach Sackman. That's how much I like it. Steve Hoyt was the winner in Super Gas, Big Jed. He got that victory over Mitch Withers. And again, like not to not for the runner-up to overshadow the uh, the winner's accomplishments, but again, like I'm a fan of the box score. How about Mitch Withers, Big Jed, in a in a super gas category where 
That's pro tree in a door car. There's no time to have a bump down. Mitch Withers, worst light coming into the final round, 009. He was nine. He was two. He was one. He was seven. He was eight. And similar to Zach Sackman, he turns it 2,000th red in the final. And by the way, 4,000th under also. So sixth that away from a perfect run, given the win to Steve Hoyt, who made a solid run of his own. He's 1690 with a nine. He made nice runs all day, but... I don't know that I've ever seen a super gas, maybe not a super class box score show nothing but double O's all the way down. Mitch Withers was 2,000 so a second from doing just that. Luke, if, if Blockbuster was still in business and Mitch Withers' runs were on tape, they would be in the very back of the store with like a some kind of guard over the over the the tape over the box some kind of something to block it protect it from young eyes because it's nasty (laughs) i mean it's so nasty that you just you wouldn't want anybody to see that you would definitely wouldn't want your kids to look at it so i mean nine nasty performances from i mean it's i would argue ridiculous from from two top ten names, Zach Sackman, Mitch Withers. Zach Sackman, had you not had you put him in adult film star, Olympic athlete, or sportsman drag racer, he would have been adult film star. Okay, that like I would have argued with you when you said, "No, Jed, you missed that one. He's a, he's a racer." I went, "No, no, you have to prove that to me because Zach Sackman." should have been in a different career. So, yeah, potential nasty. Mitch Withers, bad nasty. Got, you know, he's in a brown paper wrapper on the tape, and it's got, you know, X's and, like, you know, forbidden. Just don't even – guys, don't even look at this one unless you want to see something nasty. So, yeah. I mean, I don't even know what else to say, but. Reigning NHRA competition eliminator world champion Ryan Pretty. He added another trophy to his shelf with the competition eliminator victory over David Billingsley. Chris Vang, winner in stock eliminator. He got that victory over Andrew Hill. Irvin Johns won super stock over Zazko. Brad Zazkowski, another close red in the final. I think Zazko was one or two thou red. Devin Eisenhower returned to his winning ways with the win in super comp. Got that victory over Rock Haas. And in a battle of perhaps two of the... Uh, biggest fish in the Super Street Pond. Uh, we saw Steve Dominguez take home the National Event Wally in a final round heavyweight matchup over Phil Smida. Any takeaways from those matchups, Big Jed? Uh, Smida, very impressive. You know, uh, obviously Dominguez got the win, so Dominguez was more impressive than Smida was in this particular run. But uh, this guy just, man, he gets there every time. He is, he's just mean in the super street category. Devin Eisenhower, you know, another great performance by him. Good to see him back to his winning ways. Not like he had a long layoff from his last win. Rock Haas, a guy that's been doing this for decades. Uh, really cool to see Rock get to a final round. Urban Johns, uh, uh, you know, a guy that's had a lot of experience in this sport and a lot of wins over Zaskowski, which he's nasty. We know how bad Brad is and, uh, uh, Chris Vang, I don't know Chris, but that's a great name. Uh, if it started with a B, he could have been in the, in our 
our little um, guessing game that we play. If he was Chris Bang. Andrew Chris Bang, man, man of many talents. He'll hop in anything at the racetrack, runs multiple categories, and also serves as, I don't know, crew chief is his title, but like he is, uh, he's very involved in the tuning of Derek Kramer's pro stock car. Multi-talented okay. guy. Yeah, sound like it. Andrew Hill got one of the fastest D-stock automatic cars in the country. This dude's always really fast, and you don't always see the real fast cars in class make it to the final, so that's good to see. And Ryan Pretty and David Billingsley, bad dudes in comp. So just some all-star winners there, Luke. I mean, it's a, it's a great list of, uh, of people that you see in the winner circle a fair amount, but um, good to see these, uh, these are good guys. So good to see them get it done. But I'm most interested in – your your weekend there in Joliet uh, start to finish because this this kind of had highs and lows. So uh, tell us a little bit about your weekend. Well, let me start by saying it was it felt great to be back in Joliet. It's it is one of my favorite facilities. I've got a ton of great memories there, and it's just it's an awesome place to have a drag race. Um, you get some rain on Friday again. That kind of uh, halted. Uh, qualifying and, and time trials for the sportsman cars. Everybody got one run. I really thought in theory that that played right into uh, my wife and I's hands. Like we've made, we've, we've made plenty of 90 runs this season, got plenty of data. Uh, one time trial should affect us less than others. Um, and, and you think would diminish the chance of the, uh, the near perfect unbeatable run in the other lane. That was not the case for my wife and super comp. I think she was 20 and dropped to 91 and her opponent was 12 total. Um, it essentially was the case for me in Supergas. I had a very beatable run in the other lane and, uh, I was 005. I was going exactly what I thought I was going. Uh, I was holding two. I proceeded to kill seven. I did not get there first by two thousands. Mm -hmm. So we immediately, now this is how confident I was in my Supergas program right now, right? And it's not, I think I have the best car in the class and I'm not sure that I've missed the tree all year. I beat nobody, right? Like I have, uh, I've won slightly more rounds than Sherman Adcock has lost at this point, right? Like it's just nothing is going my way in Supergas. So we actually, it, it, this was uh, very much premeditated. I brought the junior dragster with me right? Because like, hey, if we get cracked on Saturday, we can make it to Morocco, Indiana, US 41 drag strip and race for 10 grand on Sunday. It's like 50 miles from Joliet. So that's plan B. And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, you know, if you come prepared with plan B, like you just won't ever need it. You know, it's, 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 the, it's the weekends where you, you want plan B and you don't have it. That's when you fall apart, right? So I thought ah, that'll be my backup. Well, obviously, by 9.30 Saturday morning, we're done. And I'm fit to be tied. I'm so mad that I don't think I've ever loaded my stuff up in a manner like quite as quick as because we got a circus, man. Like it's a good, it's a two hour project to get all our junk back in the trailer and load it up. We were out of there in like an hour, 15 minutes, right? And so now I'm thinking I might could make it today. And I call my buddy, Andrew D. Piazza. He, he goes so far as to go up and buy our tech cards, okay? We roll in the gate at Morocco place I've never been in my life. And they are halfway through first round. Like it ain't like they're calling first round. It ain't like they started first round. It's a two tech card deal. They have run the first color as we roll in the gate. And they're hollering for junior dragsters for round one. And the junior dragster is the last thing that comes out of the trailer. So we're scrambling, right? Throwing things out of the trailer. 
I get Gary up there. And this is this was the most comical part of the weekend, Jed, because I've never been there in my life, right? N- none of us have. We all we've seen is the gate to our parking spot. And I'm taking my 10-year-old up there. Now, granted, he's not eight anymore. But every time we go to a new track, we hop on the scooter, we ride down. Hey, man, here's what the starting line looks like. Here's the turnoff. Here's where you're going to shut off and I'm going to come get you. You know, go over all of that stuff, right? Here's where you get your ticket. Here's, Here's the path back to the trailer, all that. We don't know how to get to the staging lanes from the trailer. Like we made a wrong turn. We get to the staging lanes. I throw his helmet on him and I'm like, hey, buddy. I'm pretty sure since we're on this side of the track, you're going to turn off to the left. You're the last pair. So just drive up to where the rest of them are and shut it off. I'll come find you. Good luck. We're going deep, right? Yep. My man rolls in, flickers out the pre-stage to deep and turns it one thou red. I was pretty impressed. I thought, yeah, man's on it. Now, granted, he was not going to win anyway. We were four tenths under, but (laughs) we were there, right? But uh, proceed to throw everything out. My wife says, this is too much. Like we can't even both make it up. I'm out. I'm like, well, if you're out, we done bought an entry. I'm going to drive your car. She's like, go for it. So I make a run in my Corvette. I lose. Got to buy back. I hop in her car, make a run. I lose again. Got to buy back. So anyway, the re-entry round, I got a little bit of data. Ended up losing to Brian Whitworth, I think fourth or fifth round in the Corvette. Ended up winning a race in the Dragster Saturday night. Looks like a hero move. You roll in, no time trials, go straight to the rear entry round, win the race. Just one of them days where everything fell into place. And uh, it's pretty cool. It's fun. Yeah, that was a, that, I mean, that's a great ending to, to things not going the way you want them to go in Joliet. So really cool. And, uh, and you know, kind of a bold strategy, Cotton. I love the I love the fact that you you packed up enough cars to to go race another race if you needed to. And it all worked out. And you know, Gary got to go compete as well, which I know is is makes the weekends much better when Gary gets to compete. And, Way more fun. To me, Luke, the you know, the US 41 dragway, you just talked about you run the Corvette. In my head, this is just some, you know, middle, middle of the road facility kind of, you know, in the middle of nowhere type deal. But you ran the Corvette there, I'm guessing this place must have been pretty cool. It was, it's uh, first off your initial um, assumption. It's right on. It's in the middle of nowhere, and and it's it is uh, an older facility. There was a time uh, Tyler Bohannon and I actually talked about this at the event because I remembered um, as a kid reading through IHRA Drag Review that racetrack had an IHRA national event. Like if I'm not mistaken, full on national event, top fuel cars, everything. Right. Um, it's uh, I similar i i think you had told me at some point that uh that steel alabama has been renovated but it's similar to what steel was 10 years ago like just an old national event track that that um i don't want to say it hasn't been up, kept up well it, it's a it's still a nice facility it's just rough right it's just the pits are rough the tracks rough outside of that awesome place and they do a great job they run probably the most efficient bracket program that I've been a part of for a while. Like it was pretty difficult to keep up. Track was excellent. Got AccuTime timing system, like nothing wrong with the place. And to your point, I was going four seventies in a buggy. So can't be that bad. Awesome. Well, yeah, it was fun. Cool place. It was definitely that. So the, the whole weekend was very much zero to hero and then right back to zero. I, uh, my, my two runs on Sunday's 10 grander, I was triple zero red dead on zero. 
on one entry and came back on the other. And when the car hit the tires at the end of the burnout, it broke one of the 14 gauge wires off the coil and shut off. That was that. Oh, so it wasn't like Gary or Jack didn't unplug the coil. No. It just, it broke now, on its own. Given, given prior history, when I'm sitting out there about 80 feet, spinning the car over, you know, just kind of praying that it will somehow fire back up and the starter runs out. <clears> I did ask him, I'm like, Hey man, make sure the coal wire didn't fall off. Nope. It's on there. I'm like, all right, I guess. I'm <laughs> well, that's the way it goes sometimes. Salvage the weekend sounds like with the, with a good win on Saturday. Continuing the NHRA theme from Joliet. There was a NHRA double header down in division four at Dallas and Jed, there's a number of stories that, that we can touch on from Dallas. I actually think there was there was more to talk about from there than there was from Joliet. But I think we got to start with former multi-time NHRA world champion. My man, Jimmy Lewis, won not one, but two. He won both ends of top sportsmen. And Jimmy, if you'll remember, he was the guy that that made that crazy cross country and back trip at the end of 2021 to ultimately secure the top sportsman world championship added that on his mantle to a super gas world championship that he'd won a couple of decades prior now since that time since the end of 2021 jimmy had a, a rough start to 2022 had a, had a quiet season i think had some parts breakage involved there finished it in style at the fall nationals at the texas motorplex where he won top sportsman he had not raced since he rolled back into said facility at the Texas Motorplex, one race one, one race two. You add all that up, that is 15 consecutive rounds undefeated in the top sportsman category at the Texas Motorplex. And Jed, he finished it in style. He did it all in style. He was um, in six rounds out of 10 on the weekend. Six times he was double O in top sportsman, dialed 620 something like slamming the door, looking at that dial in 620 and turning it loose double O six times out of 10. He was teen, three of the others. He missed it once, was 25 and 10 rounds. Pretty, pretty impressive for anybody, really rare in that class. And he finished it in style, Jed. In race one, he was seven, take 13, down 30 miles an hour, by the way, in the first final. And then in the final of race two, he, uh, he outdid himself a little bit. One take one down a little over six mile hour one take one at 220 and he can go almost 230 got the win in race two over kelly land got the win in race one over bent bloomberg um yeah pretty impressive showing from a man jl yeah very impressive luke uh, i'm not real good at math but you said six of his 10 runs he was double old that's 60 of the time you let go i think in, so in i think that's 10 right. rounds of racing you were double old so that's pretty stout, and it looks like 80% of the time he was better than 20. So, um, and, you know, no offense to any top sportsman racer, but in top sportsman, that, that's great in bracket racing, really, but in top sportsman, that's ultra good because you you got to be just a little bit white-knuckled when you when you let go of the button in one of those things. Yeah, I low sixes. in the final, my man went 409 to the eighth. Yeah. Wow. It's one thing to let go double O. It's another thing that to realize that, hey, if all goes well right here, I'm going to go four oh something to the eighth and still let go double O every damn time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that is something for sure. 15 consecutive round wins um, all in Dallas where, you know, I'm sure the, the field was pretty stout there, too. There's a, there's a lot of fast 
cars, fast door cars in that region of the country. And I'm sure they were all there showing out. So uh, really good for Jimmy Lewis. That was, a, that was a heck of a performance, Luke. Double win for Jimmy Lewis. Double runner up. Doesn't quite have the same cachet at the end. But when we say the name and combine it with what he's done thus far this season, how about the weekend, Big Jed, for one Kyle Rizzoli? Runner-up in stock in event one, runner-up in stock in event two. We'll dig deeper into the points implication of that and where Kyle stands in Stock Eliminator and his quest for his first national championship. We'll dig into that in a moment. Let's just, it's safe to say he's approaching Sherman Adcock Jr. status at this point. We'll dig into that a little bit more later. Back-to-back runner-ups obviously improve his score. His first runner-up, Big Jed, was to one Brad Plord. Where's Brad reside? Brad is in sweet home Alabama. Brad Plord wins stock eliminator in race one, which was the second leg of back-to-back Division Four stock eliminator wins for Brad. He won at Noble a few weeks prior. And it was just the start to his weekend. He had an even, even better weekend than Rizzoli. Lord wins stock in race one, and then he drives that wild buggy, Big Jed. I was, we were giving a tip of the cap to Jimmy Lewis going 620s after he slammed the door. He ain't got nothing on Brad Lord. Lord driving uh-huh. that wild buggy to victory in competition eliminator in race one. He won stock in race one. He won comp in race two. Bad Brad is back. Yeah, Rizzoli, obviously, uh, a tremendous weekend. You know, you you, you want to say it's over. I mean, this guy's put up an incredible number already. But I know Rizzoli fairly well. I know he's probably pissed. You know, he's he's running up four times. And that that's one round win each time from hoisting the trophy, adding those points to where – what, what we're talking about, Luke, if he if he gets those four round wins, oh, it's completely over. He's over. He's over seven hundred. I mean, he's, yeah, it's it's he's, not. He's just legendary over, status. Like we're talking, yeah, yeah. We're it's it's not just over for the season. We're talking the same way that we've been talking about Sherman Adcock. Like we're talking about Kyle's chances to have a perfect season, to have the yeah. the greatest sportsman season in history. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So I imagine there's a little bit of frustration in that, but when he when he reflects on this championship season, uh, he's got to be super proud of himself. Um, obviously running one of his best friends and Brad Plourd in the final and Plourd getting by him, which Brad's putting up a good season as well. And, you know, we'll talk about that later, but Rizzoli's still running away from him. And then to take a 230-mile-per-hour wheelbarrow and and ride it to victory in arguably the toughest top – I mean, the toughest comp eliminator region in the country. That's um, not even arguable at this point, right? Yeah, so yeah. – um, to do it there, very impressive. And Brad has driven it good. He's had a little bit of parts issue here or there. But this, yeah, they better watch out. They better watch out. If he stays committed to this comp thing and they, they travel around and do it and this car holds together, could be in trouble because Brad lets go really good. You're speaking on behalf of Brad Plord. You sound like the Boston Celtics, Big Jeff. Better not let us win one. Is that what Brad <laughs> said coming into Noble? Next thing you know, we won three. Yeah, that's uh, – that's what David Portnoy says about Boston. He says that they're going to win in seven now, but mm-hmm. I'm not convinced. But Brad Plourd, that wouldn't be hard to convince me. He's yeah. capable. This guy That's was on the original Alabama Slammers. The other he won it for us. 
The other good news for Brad Plord is that he does not have to square off with Jimmy Butler. Brad Plord, stock <laughs> eliminator. That that as as impressive as let's be honest, as impressive as staging that freaking comp eliminator car is. By the numbers, that stock win in race one was. I don't want to say the stuff of legend. Like it, it was the stuff you'd expect of Brad Plord. Defeated Kyle Rizzoli in the final. Defeated Jerry Emmons in the semi. It was Emmons that uh, Brad beat in the final round at Noble. And in the seven rounds of competition in Stock Eliminator, Brad was 008 or better four times, including both the semi against Emmons and the final against Rizzoli. That is bad, Brad. Another big weekend. It was a it was a good weekend from multiple final rounds. Another one to do that was John Long, Big Jed Long, driving the newly acquired Forenza uh, from uh, Kevin Pryor's, a name that we're all familiar with up here. I believe that is an ex Larry Morgan car, maybe a WJ car. One so. of yeah. Uh, the Forenza that John has, I think, only driven a handful of times at this point. Uh, to back-to-back finals in Supergas, he got the victory in race one. He fell just a couple thousand short to Austin Williams in race two. Big weekend for one John Long. Yeah, I love John Long, a guy that's competed with us on the bottom bulb for a long time, no pun intended. Um, talented guy on the bottom, but just a, one of those good racers. You know, he can get in anything and race. And to, to jump in this, and by the way, you can't spell Firenza without the word fire and that freaking car is fire i mean it is beautiful what the kids say it's a work of art i mean it really is it's it's such a real nice car so um, uh, john has had his struggles with it with uh, some gremlins here there but looks like they've got it all straightened out you know this is a guy that i doubt will run around chasing much of this but when it comes to his region he'll go do it impressive really impressive especially um, you know, knowing how much talent's in super gas everywhere they, that you you can go run one of those races. And then how about A-Dub? A-Dub getting it done over the guy that just won race one. Um, another impressive performance for Austin. And, you know, we'll just ing on win super gas. No offense, Austin. I mean, Sherm, it's over. Sherm's got it. But oh, Austin's going to make his run. He's going to make his run, and he'll make it somewhat interesting, probably give himself some kind of mathematical chance in, you know, the division or whatever, but he's just that good. Austin, talented, talented dude. Happy to see him get the super gas win over over my old buddy John Long. Jed, as we're all aware, you like to beat that drum for the state of Alabama. I'll just take a second mm-hmm. to go back to my roots. North Texas, Big Jed, it's the same names in most cases for 30 damn years. And it was on display in race two at the Texas Motorplex. How about Jeff Lopez, Jimmy Lewis, Austin Williams, Jeff Heffler, all holding a Wally at the end of the day. Big Jed, Austin is the, the definitely the youngest of that generation, but arguably the most accomplished. It's just nice to know that some things never change. That's my North Texas crew. The only thing that was missing from that group was Tommy Phillips. And I, I, you didn't have to scroll down the results long. TP made a comeback. He was back at the track for the first time in several years. And uh, I think lost in the quarterfinals of Super Comp. That would have just completed the, the North Texas sweep. Really cool. I didn't know Tommy was there. That's awesome stuff. But yeah, the original Tex-Mex, uh, Jeff Lopez, he's been a, He's been a terror in stock, you know, the last 24 months. So 
really happy for him getting the win. You know, another Rizzoli runner-up, as we talked about, and we covered Jimmy Lewis, A.W. and Supergas, but Jeff Hepler. I mean, I you know, sometimes I'm thinking Jeff's done racing. Like, he just – he likes to buy cars and sell them and make seat belts and safety equipment. And then, you know, he gets this freaking 55 Chevrolet. It is the super coolest stock. car in Super Stock Eliminator, <laughs> and it's not close. It ain't even close. And this thing looks like it could be an exhibition car. It looks like if he just wanted it to, he could stand up and do a full track wheelie. You know, he has to like calm it down just to do a, a four footer. <laughs> and, and it's so cool looking and performing. And then it's got one of the best sportsman drivers that ever lived behind the wheel. The whole combination is incredibly cool. It pegs the cool meter. It, it it breaks the glass in it. It's it's just freaking awesome to watch. And great to see Jeff out here still doing his thing. I mean, this guy he don't he don't have to go every week or every other week or any of that to to do to to go race anymore. It's just not his thing. But when he does, he's just that freaking good. I take Jeff for granted because I grew up watching him do what he does. I've had multiple racers tell me over the course of the last few years because jeff got in the habit several years ago like long before it was cool of having an in-car gopro and if you just like want to 101 like how to drag race or to just witness abs what absolute natural talent looks like like go back and find some of those in the archives it's like jeff heffler is smooth he is routine, like it's everything that you want to do in a race car. And I'll just like, just to, to toot his horn a little bit back in the day, like before we had playback tacks and GoPros and data recorders, if you wanted to know what your race car was doing, going down the racetrack, you put Jeff Heffler in it for a run. I mean, it was like a human data logger. I'd never seen anything like it. And he's like, well, it, uh, it it went a little bit left at the hit. The converter flashed to about 5,800. Uh, it sounded like it short shifted just a little bit. I think it was about 66. It fell back to 59. It had 55 pounds of oil pressure at the shift. I mean, just like there's nothing that gets by the guy. It's really impressive. Yeah, that is impressive. Uh, that, uh, you know, because I get asked sometimes, what do you cross the finish line at? I'm like, wide open uh, most of the time. You know, so yeah, six, let out. 660 feet. <laughs> I don't know, but I did. I do remember when Jeff won his last uh, pro uh, national championship in HRA pro national championship, he had a, 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 a camera in the car and, you know, I watched him round after round the most, the calmest, most steel focused racer and, you know, round after round. And then when he wins it, there's not even, there's not even one of these right here. It was just like, start taking this like, Okay, well, I won the national championship in pros. What I drove from Texas to California to do, no big deal. Let me run and get my stuff here, and then uh, we'll head on home. I don't uh, want to speak for Jeff because he's a pretty humble guy. But if I was Jeff Heffler, you know what I'd be thinking when that wind light come on? Of course, it's exactly what should have happened. <laughs> You're damn right, it did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jeff Heffler. Yeah, good point. Before we get out of here, Jed. Let's touch on some points implications from the weekend, uh, big weekend specifically with the two races at Dallas. We talked about Kyle Rizzoli. His score right now, and as we record this, it is May 25th, Jed. May 25th. Kyle Rizzoli has accumulated 666 points in Stock Eliminator. 
650 should win the title year in and year out. 700 historically guarantees it. Um, his runner-up, his back-to-back runner-ups at Dallas bring his final round tally just in stock eliminator to six on the season. What you touched on earlier, the the bad news, if there is bad news in that, he's two and four in those six finals. The four runner-ups could hurt a little bit points-wise, but he's still improving a second-round loss nationally. He's got three national events to improve that. He's still improving a third-round loss divisionally, has two division, two division events remaining as well. Um, like the odds of him getting over 700 are really, really good now. And no one's ever lost with more than 700. Yeah. I, I mean, incredible score. As we said, Luke, he's he just a, a few win lights from having over 700 here on May the 25th. So, um, with the, with the results, he's putting up run after run and, and event after event. I don't think that anybody's got a chance. Um, you know, this, this guy's accumulated a lot of points and the least amount of races basically that you can do it. And, you know, the, the heat of the battle is going to come to his home turf. He's going to be, he's going to be all out of claims and all out of points. He's still going to go. He's going to play blocker. He's going to, he's going to be a guy that you got to beat to try to beat him. I mean, it's a bad spot for pretty much everybody in the stock eliminator. And I'm happy for Rizzoli. Good stuff. Good to see a traditional a stock automatic oh. car go to to this point in the season and and hold the the top ranking and likely to win the championship fan of the true blue muscle car no to your point yeah. Jed, the 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 remainder of stock eliminator is looking way up at Kyle Rizzoli at this point he is certainly I, I'm not quite ready to put it into lock status yet I'm not ready to say it's over but he's got a stranglehold on it for sure and if he does what I expect him to do I, I do think he'll crest 700 and that will put it out of reach if you're just looking for um, um, contenders if you're looking for a name outside of Kyle Rizzoli Brad Plord and Jerry Emmons, we talked about earlier, they're putting together solid early season runs. They're off to great starts, but again, like Kyle's always been at six freaking finals. Like that's a, that's a tall mountain to climb. Um, another note from Dallas, Monty Joe, big Jed, Monty Bogan made another super stock. Finally, he was runner up to Tomcat, Thomas Marlowe in race one at Dallas. That's three finals for him this season. Uh, definitely has him in contention in the running, uh, in the discussion for this season's national championship. And as we've said before, Jed Superstock is going to be fun this year. We've got Kyle Rizzoli up there. He had a as good a weekend as he had in stock. He had a, I, I think he would classify it as a forgettable weekend in Superstock uh, at Dallas. Didn't really help his odds much there, but he's had a great season thus far in Superstock as well, as has Kevin Helms as has Brad Burton. We talked about how we feel like Pete Dagnolo is going to be a player in that chase as it winds down the stretch. Those are big, big names in Superstock, and there's probably more names to come that that haven't gotten to the events yet. Um, Superstock's going to be a lot of fun. Always is. I mean, Superstock's always a good time. There's always going to be some great competitors that are making it interesting and um, you know, this this kind of some new names here uh, making it interesting. So I'm enjoying that. Really like Monty. He's a good dude, and great to see him back out here. He, he's he's a perennial uh, top ten guy when he's when he's out here doing his thing. So no surprise whatsoever. And certainly uh, Kevin Hams and Brad Burton and 
you know, if Tomcat chases or anybody else chases, it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, I know that we're going to see some of the usual players come into play here, you know, middle to late part of the season. But um, Monty's, uh, Monty's stacking up some really good results right now. And uh, he'll, he's going to be a handful with that kind of confidence and those kind of results. We talked a little bit just as we hone in now on the on the points chase. We talked about Jimmy Lewis's dominating weekend. Those are the first two events that JL staged for this season. And obviously, it, it doesn't get any more gooder, Big Jed, than 10 and 0 to start the year. So Jimmy Lewis is two for two. He's got some ground to make up because it is May. And unlike Kyle Rizzoli, Jimmy Lewis has only been to two races. He has not lost. It, it feels like the table is getting set for another cross-country, crisscross, zigzag voyage to get enough races in. Jimmy Lewis has proven that he is capable and willing to do just that. And obviously, he's capable behind the wheel. Don't be surprised if as the season winds down, we are talking about Jimmy Lewis making another run at another national championship. Wouldn't be surprised at all. Three or four wins in that category is a big deal, Luke. That's a... Uh... You know, that's a tough category, and you don't see people just totally dominate it and continue to win event after event. So two for two is is not uh, a huge number, but perfect box score, knowing that if you perform well in a handful of races and you win two or three more of these things, he'll be in great position. So Jimmy winning two for two pretty much has to continue chasing all you can do is beat the guy that pulls up beside you. Jimmy's done that 10 times. Very true. Great. A couple point. of odds and ends to uh, to close out the show today, hey, Big Jed. I led last episode before uh, Rex Simmermaker came on talking a little bit about how I don't I don't even know if blown away or maybe even surprised was the right term, but this the fall fling Bristol um, took on a, a new entry format, like a, a true old school single entry race. Um, and open the, open the doors and open the floodgates. It's sold out 425 entries, I believe in three minutes. My question for you, and I debated this a little bit at the open of last show is, could that be a sign of the changing tides in that maybe there actually is a demand for this single entry format, true single entry format? Or is it simply a testament to the Spring Fling brand and what Peter and the late Kyle Seipel have built in that they could sell out anything in three minutes at this point? The answer is yes. Um, honestly, no, it's not a changing of the tides, Luke, because I don't think we're going to change the sport to single entry, but it's definitely another option and a, a desirable format for a large portion of the the bracket racing um, uh, uh, supporters. So, you know, when you, I'm sure when we see who's in this race, it's going to be your typical double entry guys. And I think a lot of people feel like they have to double enter when the double entry is, is available, but they would prefer single entry and they, they loaded this thing up and filled it up in three minutes. So I don't think it's a changing of the tides, but it's definitely uh, is opening some doors for different, types of events and i would love to see some more single entry there's a there's a race coming up at capital city later this year there's no buyback um the no buyback nationals and i think they're going to get really good support i think people uh, like to know i pay my entry fee and i'm done that's it and i'm gonna yep. go compete and when i 
every time I win, the field gets cut in half. So that's going to be a pretty cool format. But I think mostly it's a testament to the Fling brand. I think Peter and Kyle have built something that's incredibly special. And the atmosphere, the the surroundings, they're, they've got plenty of staff. Everything's always tended to. They um, do very well with the prizes, obviously. You know, $60,000 worth of prizes at every race that are on top of the purse. All of that combined, it's a very professional atmosphere and format. And Peter makes decisions like a racer wants decisions made. So I think all in all, it's just the fling brand is just super popular. And you could probably tell people we're going to have a no buyback, you know, single entry format. And they they'd sign up for 25 in just a few minutes for that too. I really think racers just going to flock to what these guys are doing. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, the flip side, I think um, Peter could roll out a flyer for a quadruple entry mulligan race and it would sell out in five minutes. You know, it's just if there's anybody that you trust to pull it off, I think it's that team and they've earned that. Um, to to your earlier point, like I, I feel like I've kind of positioned myself as as anti double entry. And, and I don't I, I guess I want to clarify on that term. Like I realize that there are events like that don't really work without double entry. And that's fine. Like I'm going to a race this week against two five granders at my home track. If you couldn't double entry, like there's no, that, that, that wouldn't work. You know I mean? There's not going to be over 150 cars there. Like they, they need that. Right. And, and, and in that aspect, like, I think most racers think like, well, I like the double entry format where I push back against it is these races that are four or 500 cars on the grounds. And then to double enter, like, it just becomes such a marathon, right? At, at, at these mega events. So I like the format from that that aspect. Um, typically when double entries are available, it, it does bring the cost down per entry, but everybody's gonna double. So you kind of end up spending more anyway. And maybe I've just got a jaded way of looking at this anymore. Like I don't need to get my butt kicked twice to feel like I got my money's worth. Once is plenty. Like uh, that doesn't diminish the fun <laughs> to me at all. Uh, so I, I'm I'm here for the single entry races, particularly at the higher levels. Uh, like I said, I don't think that's necessarily across the board. And to your point, I don't expect to see a significant change in the landscape. I think that the the double entry format has proven itself and has proven its uh, um, um, demand for it. Uh, so I don't think we're going to see dramatic changes from this. But I will say, as someone who who likes that format personally better, I was really happy to see it sell out immediately. Yep. Likewise, I was happy to see that and um, and looking forward to seeing, you know, if that changes who you see in the final a lot. I, you know, I'm, I'm very interested to see with one car, one driver and two goes down and, you know, obviously there'll be a, a re-entry round, but, you know, you, you don't get any data that you can use in a different car or, or come back around the same car. Should be very interesting to see if that changes the outcome in that. I think talent emerges in most cases and, and gets to the winner circle, but you know, you don't see guys run themselves in the final a lot. So these, these guys, these all-stars are running in the runs that are definitely eliminating one of their entries. Could it be the only one that gets eliminated? It'll be interesting mm-hmm. to see. I could, um, I could get some pushback on this cause it's going to be a small sample size and obviously it could be proven wrong. It's going to be the same guys. <laughs> the cream rises to the top. Like, uh, yes, yeah, probably. Yeah. Um, all right. So 
next week's show, we will be recapping the event that JJ is headed to right now, uh, Dallas. And, and the, the fun around that, the drama around that is definitely this, this, this West coast call out rivalry. I don't know yes. if the West coast is particularly well represented at Dallas. I know Chris Whitfield's there. I expect him to make some noise. He's going to back up the talk like he typically does. So the, the banter back and forth has been entertaining, I think, to say the least. It'll be interesting to see what comes of that. And uh, and I think will definitely be a talking point next week, as will the SFG Super Bowl in Darlington. As we record this on Thursday, there has been one champion crowned. It is a familiar name. Stephen Champ McCrory knocked down the $20,000 opener uh, last night, I think late last night, early this morning in Darlington. That event if i'm not mistaken big jed was originally scheduled to be 350 granders due to some weather uh, on the horizon there i believe two of those days have been combined so it is a 50 grander today i believe as we record thursday a hundred thousand dollars to win friday i'm sure we'll be talking about that next week as well yeah most definitely uh, be talking about that and uh, good for champ i think both of those cars were owned by steve taylor i think steve taylor was in his roadster and i think the car champ was driving was owned by steve taylor did i understand that right i think i did and so steve taylor had a really good day even though he come up runner up there in the final good for him and uh you know good for champ He'll get back to his winning ways we'll definitely be talking about uh, the spring stampede in texas next week that'll be fun to talk about and uh luke i got a little cleanup work i said charlie joiner a while ago was the racer that uh, lost to nick curl that was william joiner william, i apologize yep. william um and uh, a talented young racer again doing it in a, in a ride that was somewhat unsuspecting so good to see that and uh, i need to give a shout out to some guys kind of in our industry that i run up on got to chat with a lot at uh at holly springs george ashton jr with uh with going bracket racing youtube channel love what those guys do he and and casey um really fun to to watch their show and they always got relevant content and great guests and uh drag champ uh gary don free spent a lot of time with gary hanging out and just chatting about you know podcasts and all kind of stuff and um these guys, uh, these guys do a lot for the sport. So uh, just want to give them a quick shout out. Uh, is this last thing on the on the docket, or we just need to we need to wrap her up? No, yeah, I I do. Before we get out of here, I, I just want to touch on the the spring one fifty at New Media, if for no other reason than to talk about the the wild, bizarre, and and tragic in ways twenty thousand dollar main event final. Did you see this? I did not. Did not. It was all news to me. As that race rode down, wound down to the semifinal round, it was the usual suspects, Big Jed. We had Jeff Sarah. We had Kyle Coltrera. We had Chicken, Brian Balducci. Balducci knocks off Sarah in the semis, makes for uh, the marquee final round matchup, Kyle Coltrera opposite Brian Balducci, the pair stages, and gets sent into... A monsoon, Big Jet, about 400 feet. They hit rain. Coltrera spins out, crosses the racetrack, backs into the wall. Thankfully, was able to avoid, or Balducci was able to avoid him. Chicken obviously gets the victory. It didn't look like the damage was irreparable on Coltrera's car, but I haven't really gotten any feedback on that. Just a, a bad situation and one of the things that you just never, never expect. Uh, coming into a final round uh, on any level, much less with those names in it. So bad stuff. 
yeah, shame to see that, uh, you know, and Luke, I'd, I'd be lying if I said I hadn't staged the car with a, with a droplet on the windshield here, there, knowing that, man, it, it could happen at any second. Uh, and shame on me, but um, I think as racers, sometimes we, we know it's not the best situation to be in, but, you know, if the other car is staging, we, we tend to make ourselves think, I got a stage two, and uh, reality is the, the, the stop work authority belongs to the racers. And, you know, when if, if the sprinkles are happening or even if you get just one or two drops and you just think, I'm not comfortable with this, just stop. And that's not judging Kyle Couture in any way or, or chicken or anybody else. I mean, it's really just the heat of the moment. I get it because I've been there. But I think going forward, you know, we, we need to make sure that uh, the racers understand they have the authority here. And if, if they don't choose to go down the track, then it's okay. It's just fine. We'll wait or split and quit or whatever we do. But uh, just a, a sad deal to, to see a racer's car get beat up and you know possibly damage beyond repair you said it doesn't seem to be at that level but yeah i don't a, know that i'm just thing. speculating from what it looked like uh, i mean yeah i i agree with you 100 percent. i've also been in situations jed where like there it's not raining on the starting line that thing is moving in and it's pouring at the finish line but not a drop at the starting line i could i, I do think that that's a possibility too and Obviously, in that case, it's easy for us to sit here and say, like, hey, the track staff's got to catch that, right? Like, uh, I, I'm not I'm not here to put fault one way or another. It's just a bad situation all the way around. And, and from a, a staff there at New Media that I, I think uh, gets nothing but rave reviews, you know what I mean? So just an unfortunate yeah. situation, not here to place blame. But I did see that. And and um, given the names involved in it, I certainly thought it was noteworthy to bring up here. Hopefully, the damage is is not super significant. It looked like the brunt of the crash was uh, like backing into the wall on a dragster took by the slick. So hopefully that that is repairable and Kyle will be back on the track with what at this point is a has become a pretty iconic vehicle in in sportsman drag racing. Like it's kind of rare that you say that about a dragster, but talk about Kyle Coltrera and and Chris Whitfield that we just talked about a, a couple of older undercover cars that have been redone a couple of times that are, I mean they've been winning for over a decade, right? And there's not too many dragsters that you can say that about. So hopefully he'll be back in real short order. Other winners from New Media, Greg Hicks had a big weekend, Big Jed. He won a, a dragster shootout on Friday and then uh, I think split and quit final with his buddy and perhaps car owner, Jeff Taylor in the Sunday 10K. So he started the weekend big, ended the weekend big. Call, Paul Campanella got a $10,000 win. Dylan Biondo won the uh, $5,000 door car shootout at New Media. So I think that was the the hit list of winners. But like I say, the, the notable story was that wild uh, $20,000 final round. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, some cool list of winners there. And uh, certainly uh, didn't mean to to make it sound like New Media forced anybody to, to go down the track. I'm sure it's just one of those deals where it was just kind of jumped up on them and surprised everybody and, and had an unfortunate ending. But nonetheless, that wraps us up. It was, uh, it was a great show. Good to be back and uh, good to have lots of, lots of great racing to talk about. And we'll have plenty more of that coming up on the next show. Um, guys, if you got anything that you want to comment about this particular show or future show or a past show, there's a place to do that. It's the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page. You can go right there. You can post it for everybody to see, or you can send us a private message and producer Mark will 
snag that right up and, and show us and tell us what you had to say. Luke, let's hear them shouts, man. Shouts to more rarer. Shouts to Fire and Forenza. Shouts to Big Papa. Shouts to Brody Quick. We hate dragsters. Shouts to Zach Sackman. Shouts to Holden 14 yes. in the Top Dragster National Event Final. Shouts to Mitch Withers and the back shelf at Blockbuster. And shouts, most of all, Big Jed, to the fact, I think we can all agree to this, that there is nothing sweeter than a repeater. <laughs> no, there is nothing sweeter than a repeater. And uh, if, you're a, if you are a repeater, you know that as well as anyone. Guys, Luke and I are active on the Twitter. We love to see your tweets. Luke is at Luke Bogacki, B-O-G-A-C-K-I. And, it, you know, I, I need to say this. It's Luke Bogacki. I mean, that's your name. That's his name. It's not, well, let's not, let's not turn this into something it ain't. It's Bogacki. Why does this name get butchered so bad? It's just not common. It's literally, you say it just like it's spelled, but it's not common. Yeah, that's exactly how you say it. I don't, I don't know. That's a little bit of a rant. I don't, I just hate the way your name gets butchered. But anyway, he's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. I am at JP11X. We want to hear from you. Anytime and all the time. Thank you for tuning in. If you're watching, if you're listening, thank you for listening in. Hashtag loyal listeners is what's kept this show alive for I don't even know how many this how many episodes this is, but it's it's a bunch. I mean, how many is this? Anybody know? Moster. Yeah, it's a bunch. A lot, so, and that's only an estimate. Thank you all so much. We appreciate it. We can't wait to talk to you again real soon about more sports and Enrollment in This Is Bracket Racing Elite is now open. You've heard me discuss or at least reference This Is Bracket Racing Elite. It is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer. Led by knowledgeable professionals, Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is at each event, there are a hundred plus entries, there's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th. <laughs>